So on a Friday night back in May, I got my email about Snapchat. And in there is that said Cosmo releases after dark segment. Clicked into it and was appalled at what I saw, which I thought was pornographic content. At minimal X-rated. You can discuss the difference between those definitions, but I think any adult would have agreed that that was X-rated content that was being put in the Discover section of Snapchat. And the first Cosmo After Dark segment was released that Friday night, maybe May 18th or so at 8 p.m. Without realizing the power of his voice, Chris took his passion to protect students from the dangers of technology and pornography and stood up against a giant in the tech industry. I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. All right, we are glad you're with us here today. We are in our sixth season of the Thought Factory, Jason. That is correct. We are in the second episode of the sixth season already. And back with us, we've got Chris McKenna in the studio. We are pumped. This guy is amazing. He has so much insight into this digital realm in which we live today, and we're going to be talking about that later. But we've got really something uh, very unique coming up in our next episode very unique. We have a very special guest that we are excited to have in the studio. We have the former lead pastor of Willow Creek, Steve Carter, in the studio. Steve's a good friend. He's a, a personal friend of, of ours, uh, uh, just a dear friend. And he's we've run in some, a lot of ministry circles. He does stuff for NTS Camp with us. We were youth pastors together in the same city here in Grand Rapids, where I still live. And and we record this where our ministry is based. So we'll be talking with him. He's going to be very candid with us about what has happened with him at Willow Creek through the fallout that they've experienced there with um, all that's happened with their leadership. And and in talking with uh, Steve leading up to this, this will be the first time he's had this conversation. He's having it with us and and we're honored by that, and and he's going to be open and candid and share about what happened there at Willow Creek. There is so many lessons that you can glean from this conversation that I would say you do not want to miss this episode. I know we promote past episodes to check out and, and upcoming episodes, but this is one of those episodes where you want to stick around and make sure that you subscribe to Thought Factory so that it's in your your cue to be able to listen to it because it's one of those episodes that you you just sit back and and you just are in awe of what God was doing uh, in Steve's life and the life of those involved, but the lessons that he is learning and he's gracious enough to share with us and our audience it's is one of those episodes that you will definitely want to tune into. Yeah, so a lot of you, as we're talking about this, you know what we're talking about when we say Willow Creek and Bill Hybels. Some of you may not. Um, there's lots of information out there online, um, different articles. There's a Chicago Tribune article. I think there's a New York Times article. There's a lot other places. But but this conversation, uh, it's not really about the scandal. It's actually behind the scenes and what was going on in Steve's life and in his leadership and what he he's really learned through this. And he's still processing. He's still going through a lot, but... 
he entrusted us to to be the first to to share his story and we're grateful for that and so again like jason said just always a reminder to subscribe on itunes you can find us the thought factory podcast as well as spotify we are also available on spotify and youtube if you are one of those that go to the internet and search youtube for podcasts or any audio files we are also available there as well if you didn't catch this that last episode we're continuing conversation with him about what's going on with students in this digital world and the digital life and we're going to continue that conversation today chris mckenna is with us again with protect young eyes protectyoungeyes.com great website the last episode you talked us through the five most dangerous places for students to be online you had a really amazing incident happen here recently. Talk us through yeah. something you discovered, and let's just walk through as the story unfolds. Right, right. So back in May of 2018, I could say last year now, right? Yeah. It's just kind of a, as a part of our normal process, right? We're always looking in different places for certain articles and things that are trending. And every night from Google, I receive three emails that aggregate trending news in three different places. It's looking for keywords, Snapchat, Instagram, and YouTube. And wherever Google notices trends and articles in those places, it aggregates and sends me those three emails every night. So on a Friday night, back in May, I got my email about Snapchat. And in there, it was one of 20 different sort of trending pieces that said, Cosmo releases after dark segment. I said, well, that sounds interesting. Cosmo is always pushing the envelope in terms of appropriateness on Snapchat in the Discover section. So I thought, okay, I need to look at this. Clicked into it and was appalled at what I saw, which I felt was pornographic content. At minimal X-rated, you can discuss the difference between those definitions, but I think any adult would have agreed that that was X-rated content that was being put in the Discover section of Snapchat. And the first Cosmo After Dark segment was released that Friday night, maybe May 18th or so at 8 p.m., and so it was after eight at that time. So I went into my Snapchat, into the Discover section, clicked on Cosmo After Dark, and there it was. Articles about oral sex and orgies and sex parties and all of these, I mean, Pornhub and all these horrible things that are right there for anybody to look at. And so we, we wrote a blog post, and apparently we were the first. <laughs> and it got picked up by a number of different news agencies and places. And by that Monday was being viewed by thousands and thousands and thousands of people and started to get a lot of phone calls from different places that wanted to talk about it. So all these people are, are reading and you're talking yep. about it. What's the response initially? Are you hearing anything back from Snapchat or Cosmo? Yeah, so, you know, during that, we released the blog post then, you know, on the weekend, it's you know being viewed by thousands and thousands of people and the feedback that I'm getting from parents is this surprise which was surprising to me that that there are still so many parents out there who allow their kids to use Snapchat who are not aware of the content that's out there now granted the Cosmo After Dark segment was a edgy really aggressively pornographic type of content that I'd never seen out there but it was only just a couple of notches above what is consistently in the Discover section of Snapchat day after day after day. If you go in there and look at the different channels that are out there, whether it's from Cosmo, 
ESPN, Bleacher Report, Vibe, Brother, MTV, they all have their channels that are out there. Depending on which one you look at at any given time, you're going to see content that you have to come to the conclusion does not belong in front of a 13-year-old. And that's every single day. And so, yes, we brought light to this, this one piece that was even a more extreme version of inappropriate content. But what, what I need parents and youth pastors to hear is that every single day on Snapchat, there is content in there that kids should not see. And what was amazing is when we looked at your article, you've got comments on there from adults. And some of the first comments <laughs> were negative, like, Chris, live and let live. What's the problem? You sound you know like a bitter about? old man. Right. One of them said, you sound like a bitter old man. Bitter old man. And I, I, I had to laugh back. I, I, I try to never take comments personally because it's just never productive. And I, I had to admit to him that you are the very first person yeah, that has ever called I saw that. Yeah. skinny little Chris McKenna a bitter old man. Why, I ought to. You know, and I, I just think there's there's different schools of thought out there about how to let kids interact with technology. There's there's the school of thought of, you know, we need to protect, we need to teach, we need to show them how. And there's a school of thought of parents, and I, I disagree with them, but they definitely exist. Let them figure it out on their own. Yeah. That I'm invading their privacy, yeah. and how dare you tell me to control my kid's phone? It's a mindset of the real world includes all this stuff, so why not expose it to them early on? Yeah, That's the mindset. It is. I would say in response to that, sometimes those sort of decisions from parents are made through a mindset of, well, my parents didn't control me that much when I was a kid. Well, listen, that's analog thinking in the digital age. Yeah. That's apples and oranges for you to do any kind of comparison between your childhood and your son or daughter's childhood today in 2018, 19. Speaking of analog approach, you mentioned in the article where it's, it's like somebody handing a book of photos to a child and yeah. the first page is photos of their friends. The second right. page is a photos of their family. And the third page is pornographic photos of whoever, and you go, you wouldn't hand that book to your child if you knew on page three there was porn that they would be exposed to. And yet you compare the, the same to the digital approach as well. Every single it. day, yeah. Every single day, social media platforms are like that three-page magazine, whether it's Instagram or Snapchat. There's people you know on page one, you have to turn. Page two are people who you don't know but you've heard of, and then page three is stuff you shouldn't see. And giving your kid unrestricted access to those platforms is like saying, I just trust that you're not going to ever go to page three. And I just don't think that that's a, dare I say, responsible place to put kids who have brains that don't often make great choices. So you're, this article is getting picked up. News agencies are talking about it. What are the responses you're hearing or getting from interviews, news agencies? What are they saying to you or what are they saying about what you're writing, your response to Cosmos After Dark? Yeah, so it, it was not one of the few times, but it was one of the times where whether you were faith-based or not, most people, other than a few internet trolls who are going to show up in the comments to the blog here and there, most people agreed with the fact that this was inappropriate. Right? There was almost this universal swell, which is evident in the fact that tens of thousands of people 
came to the site to see this article that crashed the site for most of the day Wednesday because we couldn't keep up with the bandwidth, that there was this sort of universal opinion that this had gone too far. Um, now, all the time, I, I did not hear anything in, in those first few days from any of the organizations, you know, like Snapchat or Cosmo. But the overwhelming response from parents was, you know, other than a few, again, like you said, there's a few haters who would say that you shouldn't be in their business, and I get that. But I think that was a pretty small but vocal minority. That overall, most families agreed with us that this should not have been out there, and they were shocked by the fact that it was there. And when I read that comment of the person who was saying, hey, you're, you sound like a bitter old man, my first initial reaction to that comment was he probably wants that type of content available. Does that make sense? He is okay with it or doesn't see it being an issue. So he's projecting something onto you saying, don't cut this off because I enjoy that Maybe. content. You know, yeah, it, it could be. So that's just how I viewed that comment of like calling you out as a bitter old man. It's like you're cutting off a limb for him that he uses. Called out himself. Yeah, yeah. You know, in some ways. Yeah. So So at that point, then there's really not much activity as far as hearing from Snapchat Cosmo. And then something changed on Wednesday or Thursday. Notes on Friday, blog post over the weekend, just crazy response and activity. Then Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Um, Wednesday, funny thing back to Sunday. So I don't check social media on Sundays. I'll, I'll put my phone away till 6 p.m. on Sunday. That's the first time that I'll check anything that's happened during the day. We released that blog post on Saturday night. I had no idea this was going on. I picked up my phone Sunday night and saw then what the post had done. So it's just kind of this funny realization of this had all happened just during the calm of my Sabbath. <laughs> Which, anyway. Air quotes to calm. The calm, right? So anyway, we got a, a tweet from Cosmo Magazine on Thursday that essentially said, hey, we're taking it down. I noticed on Wednesday night, because I kept checking the channel, that it disappeared late Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. The channel was no longer searchable in the Discover section of Snapchat. And so I posted on Facebook Wednesday night, question, did we win? Kind of something along Mm. those lines. And then Thursday morning, it was affirmed with a message from Cosmo through Twitter saying, hey, we've taken it down. They said that it was a pilot, and so they weren't going to continue it, which is great PR. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And they then ended, I, I pull up the direct quote, but they ended by saying something about Cosmo Magazine is all about empowering women, you know, kind of that line, which just shows how different our mindsets are. That there is a mindset out there that believes that pornography is an empowerment to people. Whereas I think many of us listening to this podcast would agree that there is a degradation and an objectification that the exact opposite is happening in those environments. And so we're just always going to disagree, I think, organizations like them and, and, and us. And so they took it down and it hasn't reemerged. So that was a win. So Now you were mentioning more recent Snapchat has added another element or there has been another aspect to Snapchat that has just recently occurred. Well, yeah, the content in Snapchat is always on the edge. <laughs> and on New Year's Eve, so there's a, a channel within the Discover section from Brother. It's a Snapchat-only 
content. Like you can't, there's no brother magazine or, or anything. The only place where they release content is through the discover section of Snapchat. And in there was uh, 22, if you were to thumb through it, it was 22 different panels that was pro-pornography. And it wasn't age-gated. So one of the things that Snapchat has done to try to respond to the, while you're showing kids inappropriate content, is they have age-gating where organizations can opt to age-gate based on the birthday that you select in your Snapchat profile certain content. That if it's age-gated, it can't be seen by kids under 18. That hasn't always extended to inappropriate sexual content. It's primarily been an impact on alcohol. Like Heineken and others who want to advertise on Snapchat often find that their content is age-gated. But for whatever reason, Snapchat doesn't believe that sexual content often fits that definition. But that aside, so Brother on New Year's Eve released a set of content in their channel that basically said, porn is okay, porn addiction is false, masturbate as much as you want, explore sex, and hide it all by using incognito mode. Which, if you don't know what that is, is private browsing. Most browsers like Safari, Chrome, and others have a, a private incognito mode with that little guy with the glasses and the hat on that kind of looks like a, a private eye comes up where none of your history is tracked. So they're basically telling kids in content that is not age-gated, look at porn and hide it from your parents. That was on New Year's Eve. Now, it came and went fast because Brother is a daily channel. So by morning on New Year's Day, it was gone. But that was the most recent, if you were to go to protectionize.com slash blog, that's the one that you would see up at the top right now, hmm. is just the fact that they, yes, it only lasted a day, but the fact that they allowed that content to be out there in an unage-gated format, to me, is just, again, indicative of their agenda, which is one that Snapchat is not a kid environment. It's an app made by adults for adults that is founded on a premise of secrecy and deception. Hmm. Hi, my name is Charlie Alcock. I'm a professor at Indiana Wesleyan University, the director of youth ministry events. But we do something on our campus in April called Fusion. And Fusion is designed for students by students. This year we have a band named King of Country coming. We have George Moss who's gonna be a part of this. We have a worship consortium of people from Northview Church in Indianapolis called Sing Love. Jeff Waltz speaking, it is incredible, love to have you. If you wanna find more information about Fusion, just go to endwest.edu backslash fusion. That's I-N-D-W-E-S dot E-D-U backslash fusion. All the content and information is there for you. We will see you soon. We're here with Chris McKenna from Protect Young Eyes. Chris, you've been talking about Snapchat and their approach with social media and, and technology and smartphones and yeah. just the approach of the digital life with students. Parents and, and adult leaders are listening to this episode and maybe asking the question, how can I protect the students or the kids that are in my life? Sure. Make it very personal. How do I protect the ones that I love in regards to this digital life? Well, specific to social media, I, I think that much like the way that we teach our children how to ride a bicycle, which is very intentional, it has all kinds of precautions that go into that process, helmets and grassy surfaces and training wheels and all these things that we do to prepare our child just to ride a bicycle. I would love it if we approached our children's entry into social media in the same way, that 
children aren't automatically ready for Snapchat. That should not be the first social media-like environment that they're exposed to because, again, it presents too many adult-level risks. That'd be like taking your kid to the top of the tallest mountain and putting them on a mountain bike as a five-year-old and saying, have fun, as their first exposure riding a bicycle. I just don't think that kids are ready for that sort of exposure. So, so treat it like a training process. Kind of expose them slowly to digital environments so that you're seeing how they respond. You know, for my own daughter, she got a Kindle a couple of years ago that we locked down in terms of not having access to the browser. But it gave me an opportunity to see how often does she want to go use the Kindle in terms of screen time. Like how is she interacting with this internet-ready device? And now she's graduated to having an Echo in her room that she uses for music. And it's not internet access, but it's a digital access point that I'm seeing. How does she interact with that? So we're, we're intentionally training her by putting her in digital environments just to see how she responds because every kid is slightly different. Kids are impacted by screens differently just depending on how God made them. Some get hooked easily to Fortnite. Some can put it down, right? Every kid's a little bit different. And so we're still in that training process of seeing how does Lauren respond to digital environments? And eventually, someday, she may be ready for social media, but right now, as a middle schooler, she's not. And so let's see it as an intentional training process, whether you want to use the illustration of bike riding or driver's license or whatever it is. But turning 13 is not an automatic entitlement to social media if they have not been trained. So that's the first thing. And the second thing would just be a, an encouragement to put it off as long as possible. We are often the source of most of the things that we don't like about technology as parents, right? We put it in their hands. We've said it's okay. We need to be okay saying you're not ready yet. And here are the reasons why. And as youth pastors, to not create encouragement of our own by always having things on Instagram or having Snapchat encouraging kids to go to those places and being careful around those kinds of messages too, that we're not creating this hunger for something that at the end, you probably don't want them spending a lot of time in anyway, just in the way that we do ministry. I think we've talked about that before. And Let me say something to that with youth workers. I've found that uh, a lot of youth workers will rely on social media to connect, to communicate. And let me just say that that is maybe an easier way for them to do it, but it's probably the most non-effective in my opinion. So for example, you throw an event, you really heavily promote on social media, and then you have half the turnout that you expected, and you wonder why. And I'm just going to say to youth workers here, we say this to students with Claim Your Campus, that fight so hard to promote their prayer group by having it on the morning announcements. I tell them, that will not get you one person to show up. What will get you one person is for you to ask them face-to-face, is for you to have a conversation and talk with them and show up. I know this sounds weird, and to some they think I'm crazy. Show up to their house, talk to their parents, talk to the students, tell them they matter, tell them you want them to see there at at that event or retreat or whatever. Because I think um, there's there's two sides to that promotion. There's one is... You're encouraging them to go in these environments that are dangerous, and you're you're maybe um, working against what some of your parents value. But also, it's not an effective way to promote what you're doing. It's good to have a presence. I think uh, in terms of if you're wanting like real people, real mm-hmm. faces, mm-hmm. be there physically in their presence to have those conversations. I think that's I think that's good. 
I don't know if this will fit in somewhere or not, but we actually we have a blog post that's titled Should Youth Pastors Be Friends on Social Media with Their Students? And it explores this kind of general question, not only from the standpoint you're talking about, which is events and creating sort of promotion for something, but just in general, how youth pastors use social media as a relational tool, I think we need to be really careful of just for our own protection and perception from others as to what those connections can look like in those kinds of environments. I'm not saying no. I just think it's a place where we need to be careful in positions of authority where we're trusted with kids to not put ourselves in compromising situations that somebody totally independent wouldn't look at it and go, uh, that looks unusual. We just need to stay away from those spots. That's a, that's a good point. I'm, I'm thinking of one youth pastor in particular who's now in federal prison because what started off as an innocent connection with students then led to inappropriate behavior, and it was all there for the world to see yeah. and for investigators to find. You know, All the, the footprints were there for what happened and it's heartbreaking it and is. unfortunately it happens yeah. a lot so and yeah. so see it as training put it off as long as possible and then once they have it monitor get in their business again parents are going to disagree with me whether you're on that okay where you're at on that okay range of privacy or, or not what you think your kid is entitled to i would argue that as a teenager if i can't monitor it you can't have it and again, it's not because I don't trust you, love, you know, child, love child of mine. It's because every time you get into this environment, I don't trust the hundred million other people that are spending time in it with you. Mm -hmm. And so I want to give you some freedom and let you interact with it. But from time to time, I'm going to jump in there with you just to help you use it as well as possible. Those would be three things. Well, we want to say again, Chris, we... We just appreciate and value your ministry. We talk about it often with friends and colleagues. We promote it, obviously. We, we engage in what you're doing. We love your communication. We want to remind all of you listening, make sure you go to this website, protectyoungeyes.com. Connect with, with the social media posts, with the articles. We want to congratulate you for what you did with yes. um, Cosmos After Dark. I mean, well that, that was uh, it's an amazing thing, and I think it's a reminder of Having that uh, passion and focus in that area that you've had, that is, that's a win and, and it's a way you can see that you're making a difference. So thanks for all that you're doing for us as adults, parents, youth workers, to make a difference for kids. I echo that sentiment. Thank you so much for what you do and your time, investment in your work. It benefits a lot of people, including myself. Appreciate it, Thank guys. you. Thank you. Yeah. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org. Hi, my name is Charlie Alcock. I'm a youth ministry professor at Indiana Wesleyan University and I direct our ministry events there. As a kid, I, I was at a camp where somebody came and prayed with me. And for me personally, that's why I want to be a part of this 2020 and amazing gathering of people because I want that opportunity to pray for someone else like they prayed for me.
Well, as always, we're going to do this bonus segment. We're talking about Claim Your Campus 2020. It's this event that's coming up on July 4th weekend, 2020. And these bonus segments are giving all of our listeners the latest updates on this amazing and exciting event. Our goal for this event is to gather students from 10,000 schools from around the nation in one place at one time on one weekend. That's July 4th weekend, 2020. And as this is being released, that's roughly about 17, 18 months from now. And we're excited, Jason. Things continue to come together for us. We spent the last week, and you talked about this on the last episode, we spent uh, just the last few days gathered with 50 ministry leaders from around the country talking about how we're going to collaborate together. We've got this amazing, huge network of ministries that are promoting this event with us and for us and alongside us. And what we're doing is we're talking to adults about the vision of the event, we're inviting them to be what we call adult advocates. And this vision uh, of seeing this moment in time where students can get together in one place is important. And on this podcast, we talk a lot about moments. We create moments every summer when we go out on the road for NTS camp. And we've talked personally as friends about there's been moments in our lives not just randomly at different places, we all have those, those these moments with God, but there have been moments that have been key in your life and my life where we've been at events. Oh, yeah. Well, I can point to a number of either events, moments at events, or moments that that God spoke to me in a way that, that redirected my life. And I, I was either at an event or a camp or retreat, or there was something special created by other people by Christ followers that said this this gathering is going to uh, be executed this way and it creates a moment. So similar to what we do at camp is we really want to create a moment where they are encountering God in the presence of God so that they can hear from God. And, and that's what happened to me in a number of ways, uh, different times in my life to be in those, those environments. And then those moments stick out because I... I realize God's speaking to my heart in ways that has redirected my life. And as we consider a moment with the potential to represent numerically in a very sizable way this generation of students, something historic we believe could possibly happen at this event because it this goal of 10,000 schools, as we consider the network that God is opening before us, uh, it's a dream goal, but we think we can hit it, and that's and that's the presence of students representing 10,000 campuses. So we could be potentially talking about 100,000 students here, and this event is meant to mobilize them to to show and share Jesus at their school. And we're we're going to do three specific things at the event. We're going to equip them to to participate in a weekly prayer group. We're going to train them how to verbally share their faith. And then we're going to show them ways that they can serve on their campus. Three things, prayer, uh, share, and care. Weekly prayer groups, sharing their faith, and, and caring and serving at their school campus. And in the process of this weekend, it will look, it'll feel like a music festival. It's two nights, it's three days, it's July 3 through 5. It's geographically right in the center of the country, south of Kansas City, in an outdoor space, that's a camp, 700 acres. We've got the whole property. We can fit the numbers on there. We're gathering people. We're gathering these students together 
to inspire and equip them to show and share Jesus at their school. And we think it's a moment for this generation to step forward because the eyes of the nation are on the school campus with all the violence, with all the tragic things that have happened with gun violence and bullying and the increasing rates of suicide. The campus is the the hub of a student's life. They're spending half of their waking hours during the school year. They're spending 9,000 hours of their lives if they're in uh, school full-time through middle school and high school. 98% of our population is in, on, on a middle school or high school campus during those years. It's, it's, where, it's where the students are, and it's where we need to be, and it's where we need to be equipping uh, this generation of students that follow Jesus to know how to be Jesus at their school, how to show and how to share Jesus, and we want to be very specific. So this, this weekend... It's a one-time-only deal. We're calling uh, for this for this moment to happen, and the phrase we've been using, Jason, is "moments mobilize movements," and and we think that this moment will be special because it will be a moment where these students will meet and hear from God, and it will be um, a mobilization that turns into a movement back at campuses across America. You need to be there for this. If you're listening to this, there's. It just shows that you care about students. And what do you do? You become an advocate. Jason, you know about this. Like, we need adults to be advocates. Absolutely. This is something that you can hear and go, well, I'm not a student, so how do I get involved? But if you're an adult and you are listening to a podcast that is geared more towards youth ministry, you have some sort of interest in youth ministry or involvement in youth ministry, and you care about the youth of this nation, of this generation, and... Yeah, what we are seeking right now is adults to be advocates, those who are saying, I am willing to take the the school that I'm mostly close with, associated with, What you may send your kids there, uh, you may be involved in youth ministry and say, this school is what is most represented in the ministry, and you have a heart for that school and say, I want to see students from that school be represented at this event. And so I will be the adult in the situation to make sure that happens. And that is something that we need right now. We are looking for adults to just say, yes, we want to make sure we're a part of this and this is how we can do it. So go to claimyourcampus2020.com, jump on that website, you can learn more. And uh, that's what we want you to do. Learn more about the website, think about being an advocate. And then if you're on Facebook, if you go to Claim Your Campus Advocates, you can jump into that group I do a, a weekly equipping every Tuesday night with um, adults from all of the country and just talking about the updates and what we're doing. And, and so be a part of the Claim Your Campus Advocate group, and you can uh, stay up to date in real time about what's happening. So, again, Claim Your Campus 2020. We want you to be there, and we're going to continue to talk about it, and we hope to see you there.